The gossip going down, 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 down. Joey's cool, but he's taking us down. Now we're going to Harrogate Town. Hello Gasheads and welcome to this week's episode of Gascast, being recorded almost 24 hours on from MK Dons hammering what was essentially the final nail in Rovers League One coffin, leaving the gas bottom nine points behind Wigan and with only nine points left to play for. I'm your host Nino and joining me this evening to pick the bones out of what's been a mad and thoroughly miserable season for the gas is Harley, Max and Jack. Everyone buzzing for this one lads? Yeah evening mate, yeah come on let's go. Absolutely, I mean you told me that I only pod when we win like the other week so I had to come back really didn't I? (laughs) I'm going to put in as much effort as the lads have done all of this season so you off now see you later lads cheers mate i'm gonna get yeah. some snus in me <laughs> <laughs> apparently i read on twitter earlier that um rugby baldvinson the reason he <laughs> left like a day after signing was genuinely because he yeah. couldn't get any snus in the uk it was quite a big deal yeah wow. he, he was he was big on the snus big on the snus did he not bring it into the camp that year so you contraband are you are you blaming Bolvinson for us getting relegated in 2021 because he he brought snus into the into the club no i'm blaming him for bringing it into the country yeah Yeah, he brought his english football i I like my favorite part of it is that it's so say performance enhancing and we're bottom of the table (laughs) (laughs) we haven't taken enough of it yeah Yeah. get more snus (laughs) yeah so Anyway, the podcast thing. <laughs> so, yeah. so just for the benefit of everyone at home, we've basically decided to split our end of season pod into two parts with this one solely focusing on the current season, what's gone wrong, who's to blame and all of that good stuff. And then once the season's finished and we're mathematically down, we'll do another pod looking ahead to next season, what needs to happen to the squad, whether Barton's the right man to take us forward, etc, etc, etc. So let's crack on then. And it's fair to say that it's been a pretty wild 48 hours in the world of football with the shit show that was the European Super League crumbling all around us last night. But unfortunately, it's also been a complete shit show down the mem for at least the last 12 months. And Max Rovers are about to deservedly pay the price by losing their League One status. Yeah, they are. Um, been absolutely abysmal uh, all season. Try to sugarcoat it, you know. Try and put a positive spin on it. As you know, we come on the podcast every every fortnight and we talk about the good and the bad, the pros and the cons, and you just try and pick positives out, out of certain parts of the season and just try and just generate a bit bit of you know feel good around the club just because there is none and um just gets to a to a point where no doubt people listening think that some of it's wearing thin um even when i'm on commentary you know i have to kind of sugarcoat it a little bit and just you know there's a lot of fam- uh, players families and fans of opposition listening so you can't really be so doom and gloom but it just gets to the point now where obviously we're down and it's like well now i can kind of just say well chat like my ass for quite a lot of the season just bigging up some of the players who absolutely did not deserve to be bigged up um it's just yeah some of them are just a disgrace and you know now we're down I think we can all just hold our hands up and say absolutely shite uh start to finish and 
I'm sure we'll now go into detail and pick 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 through the shite and see which bits were shiter than the rest and <laughs> are the main bits of the shite. Well, I mean, I think I speak for everyone when I say that I'm absolutely buzzing for the crew commentary when you're just going to be dropping bombs left, right and centre that you've been holding in for the last few months. Um, so Harley, yeah, can Rovers have any complaints about how this season's panned out for you? No, they can have no complaints. I mean, the the, the most painful part is that we've just just collapsed in the last month. In There's been absolutely no sign of of, of surviving this. And that's... Something quite rare, I think. I think every club, even the worst clubs, when they go down, there's a bit of fight in the last few weeks because, you know, you, you get the adrenaline going and, and normally it's too little too late, right? But with this, it just feels like we've progressively got worse and worse and worse. And that highlights the the character throughout the squad that was brought together and goes some way to justifying that it was wrong from the outset, really. Yeah, so Duke, as someone who, like me, and I'm sure like most of us, to be fair, is just looking forward to getting back into the Mem next season, kind of regardless of what division we're in, what are your thoughts or what were they last night as Rovers' five-year stay in League One came to a slow and painful end? Apathy. I mean, the writing was on the, the wall for for months. And, and like you were saying, Max, we, we, we try and put on this positive spin and I think a lot of people really bought into the experiment of blooding youngsters trying to play a passing style of football, an exciting brand of football, really look to the future, plan not just for one season, but for several seasons. And obviously that experiment has gone tits up. And I always think of how we've gone from Ghana at the beginning with that philosophy then we get in Tisdale interviewing nobody else he lasts uh, just a handful of days and then we end up with Joey bloody Barton I mean like that's proper heads gone isn't it in in terms of starting with this philosophy and this experiment and then we just lose faith in it so much and I think it, that sort of leadership is going to be confusing first and foremost for for the whole club that how can you quick that quickly go against what you've been building to do and just no cohesion naivety stupidity i mean some of the teams that are going to stay up ahead of us you you mentioned like the the bounce backs from the likes of wigan and swindon I, i was I was laughing at those teams, like the state they were in, and we're probably going to finish bottom of the pile. So, so now I reflect on it. Um, yeah, anger, disappointment, just uh, what, not a, a sense of comforting inevitability because it's peak Rovers, isn't it? It's it's the most Rovers season of all Rovers seasons. I mean, we, we we've had some bad ones, but the fact we had so much time to plan and we're like, okay. We know what we're doing this time. And then it ends up in, in a balls up. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said at the start there, um, I remember us, I think, in the Gascast group chat saying back in August, you know, look at the state of Wigan. They're starting the season with like their under 10s. That's one relegation spot gone that we don't have to worry about and having a bit of a chuckle about it. And now 
they're on an absolutely storming run and we're sinking without a trace and they look like they're going to stay up and us lot who thought we were going to hopefully be pushing for playoffs this season are yeah well we're down so so I don't want to go into last night's game too much but it is the result that's all but sealed our fate uh Max obviously we've already touched on the fact that you were there on the comms once again so as a diehard gas head who's had a season ticket in the Blackthorn end for many years uh what was that experience like of effectively commentating on your own team's relegation in front of your very eyes, really, because that's not an experience that many, if any, fans of any club will have ever had before, I don't think. I feel like I've been commentating on Roby's relegation for two, three months, um, if I'm honest. It doesn't feel like last night was an oh-my-God moment, we're down, like it was in 2014, um, when we dropped into the relegation zone with, I think, 20, 30 minutes left of the game. Um you know, it, it it was a it was a as I said on the comms, it was death by a thousand cuts. Um, so I think for me, I knew we were down pretty much after the Swindon game. I think was the final nail for me. I didn't think we were going to come back from that um, mentally or um, position wise in the league. So I guess commentating on it, it, it was very strange. Like I, I, I was I was doing the play by, and then I think with ten minutes left to go, just lost the motivation to kind of keep talking about the players' names and, and the and the phases of play. And we just ended up talking about relegation and what it meant for the club. And you know, I doubt many fans were still tuning in at that point, given we were 2-0 down and, and the results elsewhere. So it's a very strange experience. Uh, full-time whistle went. I didn't even really feel upset or angry. I just felt numb. Um, you know, before the game, I, I was going to drive into the match and I was thinking, you know, we're already down. This is just such a, this game's such a nothing game because I just know in my heart, we aren't going to win today and we aren't going to show the fight needed. And even if we do, I don't think we've got it in us to keep it going for the last three games. So for me, I'd already accepted it. I know it's not mathematically confirmed, but it was a pretty damning result. Um, put us in a position that's all but uh, confirmed relegation. And yeah, there's just, there's just this, shadow hanging over the over the ground i guess um you know that that martin starnes was there and um tom gorringe was there the scouts were there coaches and the performance analysis up in the stands and in previous matches they've been generating atmosphere and being noisy and they were just dead quiet um pretty much all game and uh i think that tells a tall tale um and yeah i mean commentating on it certainly a surreal experience but i i guess i didn't really feel like i was commentating on um this specific moment of relegation rather than just a confirmation of something that we've all known for a couple well, a fair few months now, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point I was going to ask a question about the pathetic defending for their set piece for the second goal, but honestly, I just really can't be bothered to put us lot or any of the listeners through that discussion again. I feel like we're just a broken record. Um, so Harley, as another diehard gas head who, like most Rovers fans, hasn't been to any games live this season and has had to experience the whole thing through your laptop, how do you think that that has changed the emotions that you felt towards the relegation compared to, say, the last time we went down from League One to League Two when you and I and all of us really were going week in, week out? I think like this season, it was a serious effort to tune myself into the passion of football in general, really. I mean, I, I remember the first few games of the season that I watched under Ghana and there was just no 
no drive to focus on the game on the screen, you know, like I, I found myself checking my phone half the time and you just, you're just not, you're not there, are you, you know, but I made a conscious effort to get stuck into it. And I did start to start to feel like I could actually care about what was happening on the screen, but it's hard to know what is just the way we've been this season in that there's just no fight whatsoever and what is the fact that I'm sat at home behind a screen, you know? Um, I don't feel the pain of this relegation anywhere near as much as I did the last time we went down from League One. I don't think it's fair to compare it with the League Two relegation because that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? But when we went down from League One last time, I, I remember being on the edge of my seat for, well, not on the edge of my seat, on the edge of the, on the, edge of the stand, um, you know, really even until the last in the final whistle went against i think it was sheffield wednesday when neil meller dived um it was just you know the lads were fighting and you were you thought we could stay up until the final blow of the whistle and there was passion and and you know i remember clapping them off the pitch and there was just all the negativity all the positivity mixed you know i i didn't feel any of that yesterday i turned it off at 60 70 minutes whenever it was that abysmal defending happened and i just said that's that and I didn't feel, I don't feel like I've really felt anything for it, to be honest. I still don't. Um, I guess apathy is the word, right? Like I'm just, I'm already over it, really. I'm, I'm more than anything, I'm excited still because I want to get back next season and support the lads, whoever those lads are, and have the, the full experience. And frankly, this season, I think it's just going to, just going to vanish from my memory very quickly <laughs> yeah i mean when i was doing this schedule earlier i was thinking about it from my point of view uh and i think i'm the same as you in the last night final whistle went i was a little bit disappointed for five minutes and then genuinely couldn't have given less of a shit that we went down and then this morning mm. i was thinking why is that and i think it's because uh like every not even every defeat but there's nothing that's been able to differentiate between a win and a defeat this season because every game ends with you shutting your laptop down and getting on with your day. You're not travelling back from anywhere. You're not stood on the terraces applauding them off or stood on the terraces booing them off. Every win, every defeat sounds exactly the same because you do the same thing. Turn your laptop off, get on. So it mm. almost doesn't really feel real to me. Like obviously, I think, I, think you know, I actually like manufactured my own excitement in the middle of the season when I realised that I just wasn't getting anything out of the experience. And I'm like I said, right, I have to watch the game. I have to. But frankly, there was a point in the season where I realised this just isn't, I'm getting nothing out of this. So I, I had to like manufacture my own story around it almost to get some form of excitement out of it. Little did I realize that the story was unfolding before my bloody eyes and it wasn't going to be a pretty one. But yeah, it is a, it's a bizarre season. I hope we never experience ever again for many, many reasons. Yeah, I mean, it felt like a chore, didn't it? You're like, oh God, I'm going to have to buy another iFollow pass. I mean, I was, I was fortunate. I, I could go to a lot of the Saturday home games and in many respects, yeah, I, I did in, enjoy that, and it's a season like no other. But then I just felt that the complacency was was inbuilt from the start of the season. I mean, it, it's well known that we've got a passionate vocal fan base, and I mean, we've spoken about actually the the ninety minutes of, of trying to get the the lads o- over the line. 
And I think that would have had a positive effect. But I don't know, maybe the, the powers that be, maybe they were kind of like, okay, this is the perfect time to do our experiment. We're, we're going to get these young, exciting players in. There's not going to be any fans there. And then I think that complacency was just there all throughout the the season. And we properly went down with a whimper. And I mean, it's it's inexcusable. Um, but I mean, that's that's the only thing I can think of that that made us so complacent and and, and would it have been better if, if we did have those vocal fans in the stadium I, I think it it probably would have been better I think it only would have slightly papered over the the massive cracks but yeah I, I out of all the clubs I, I think the the lack of fans pro- probably hit us the most yeah so Harley we were having a little chat about this before we started recording um, our very own Tommy Metcalf on the comms last night, absolutely slaughtering Will Grigg 10 minutes in, and then the bloke sets up a goal and scores a goal to effectively relegate us. Um, one of the highlights in a terrible season for you? I'm going to say it. Will Grigg, overrated, 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 overrated. Brambled on the line is eventually into the back of the net. Guess who it is? It's uh, Will Grigg who's stuck it between the posts. Literally, I mean, one of the highlights, on a serious note, the highlight of the season is the fact that you guys got to do comms and and brought something fresh to it, I think. But I, like I said, I wouldn't have had any interest of doing it yesterday. Of all days, I, I could imagine it was a, a fairly horrible experience and Mets uh Mets absolutely had a shocker with that one there's no beating around the bush is there so <laughs> I'm sure a few people know exactly what you're referring to I'll I'll insert it don't worry just just in case anyone missed it I'll be I'll be slotting it in um like Will so, Grigg <laughs> yeah. so let's move on to the next section then uh, so earlier on today I messaged you all separately with a list of six events from this season that have contributed to our relegation and asked each of you to rank them in order of how big an impact you feel they've had on our demise from League One, uh, with one being the thing that had the biggest impact and six being the thing that had the least. So if you want to play along with this completely miserable game at home, then you can just pause the pod uh, once I've read out the list in a second, write the events down in the order you feel is right, and then continue listening to see how your ranking matched up with the boys. So the six things I asked you to rank were not sacking Garner in the summer, Garner and Widrington's recruitment in the summer, sacking Garner and appointing Tisdale, Tisdale and Widrington not strengthening in January, sacking Tisdale and appointing Joey Barton, and then finally injuries. So Max, why don't you kick us off with your ranking and then give us your reasoning behind it as well? Okay, so my least important um, reason was the sacking of Tisdale and the appointment of Joey Barton. That comes in at number six. Number five is the sacking of Ben Garner and the appointing of Paul Tisdale. Number four is injuries. Number three is not sacking Garner in the summer. Number two is Garner and Widgington's recruitment in the summer. And number one is Tisdale not strengthening in January. Give us a little overview then. Why do you think that, say, the things you've put as the top two are what's effectively killed us and what you've put as the bottom two are the things that you think have had the least impact on where we are? Okay, yeah. Well, I think both the sackings and the appointments um, probably are the least important things. Um, I think both managers needed to be sacked at the times they were sacked. Um, When Tisdale was sacked, I think we all knew he had to go. He wasn't working out. Um, and he'd just been a, a, a disastrous appointment, um, largely for my number one point, his recruitment in January. Um, 
and uh, yeah, sacking Garner, the right decision at the time. I, I still, I still think it was. I think he had to go. His record was appalling, um, and I just think if we'd carried on, um, we would have just got more of the same in January, more youngsters, and I don't think he would have been able to attract the right experience to to keep us up. Um, so I think it was absolutely the right decision to sack Garner when we did, and the same for Tisdale. And yeah, I mean that that point's kind of got a point pulled Tisdale at the same point as sacking Garner, but uh, I kind of see it as. Garner needed to go at that stage so I think it was the right appointment and that's why it's so low down on the list for me um the recruitment in the summer I've got as number two um simply because it's awful and that's the core of the squad we've got now that that have been relegated they simply weren't good enough um I know I in particular ranted and raved about the recruitment in the summer and said it's probably one of the best windows we've ever had um on paper but football isn't played on paper it's played on grass and um it's evident that these players did not have the right character for a relegation fight uh, that they found themselves in. And that ultimately comes down to Ben Garner and Tommy Woodrington and the recruitment process they deployed because ultimately they didn't vet the pe- these people's characters and their personalities. The only thing they were interested in were their CVs and the potential they had to make the club profit uh, from sell-on value. Um, and ultimately that's what's cost us. And my number one reason Tisdale not strengthening in January kind of speaks for itself, I think. Um, our strikers were not scoring goals at all. Um, Hanlon has eight goals in 44 games this season, daily four in 26, and Iunga has two in 32 appearances. Um, it was just so obvious we needed a striker and maybe an experienced winger or midfielder in there as well to cover known injuries to Rodman and, and Nicholson. And we just didn't get those players. So um, I think ultimately that's why we went down. You look at like Burton, Wigan, Swindon, I think the only other team that didn't uh, strengthen alongside us and their second bottom. So um, it's pretty evident that getting more bodies in and more depth and more quality would have would have lifted us up a few league positions and maybe even seen us safe. So for me, that has to be number one. So Harley, let's come to you next then, because it's fair to say that yours is quite different from Max's. So why don't you take us through yours? Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, so from least... Uh, least important to the most important um not sacking garner in the summer number six number five garner and tom whittington's recruitment in the summer number four injuries number three tisdale not strengthening in january number two sacking tisdale and appointing joey barton and number one sacking garner and appointing paul tisdale um how to go over this one yeah very different to what max said um the main point being that I've got sacking Garner as the number one. Um, I think that ultimately, if Garner was still manager, we would not have been relegated. I don't necessarily believe that he would have been the man for the future. And I, at the time, respected the ambition that we weren't willing to settle for a mid-table finish. But I would 100% settle for a mid-table finish now. So... um I honestly just I think that like I've like I've put the recruitment in the summer's low on my list because I think that the problem wasn't that the recruitment was awful it was that we should have added a single player in January which is why I've got the third point of Tisdale not strengthening you know we we had an opportunity to add a striker I think that would have made an enormous difference but ultimately like I say the only thing that's above that point is that I think the managerial merry-go-round the lack of sticking to one strategy mixing it up Barton doesn't suit the team that Garner was managing at all and 
if we're talking about blaming relegation, not this isn't about who I think is the best manager we've had and who is the man to take us forward. This is blame for the relegation. Joey Barton played an enormous part in that relegation. And that I, I struggle to believe that even if we'd brought Garner back in after Tisdale, he wouldn't have done better than Joey has. All right. And Duke, let's come to you last. And uh, yeah, take us through yours and your reasoning as well. Yeah, mine's on a similar vein to, to Max. So number six, injuries. I've got joint fourth, sacking Garner and sacking Tisdale. Number three is, is Garner and Widgington's summer... Um, no, Garner being sacked in the summer, sorry. Number two was was Tisdale in January, not recruiting a striker. What an idiot. And number one is recruitment in in the summer. Same point as Max, really. You, you live and die by your recruitment and it's plain for all to see that that we needed that that bagsman up top and and, and we didn't get it and, and they had all summer to do that granted that they're maybe saying okay I've, I've seen a rough diamond in in handling and I can model him in into a striker that's fine and I'm not against the the signing of, of handling per se but he's he's not your main striker I think it was it was clear to see for, for everyone but being optimist and trying to get behind the the team and and a new lad, you're like, okay, let's let's give give him a chance. And then, I mean, again, we we looked at the recruitment in the summer. And we thought, okay, yeah, on, on paper this does look good. And defense, we're like, okay, Tony Cray's gone, absolute experienced leader. But but we got Max Amer. We've we've poached Gillingham's captain. And he's been abysmal. He he was meant to be our, our captain this season. Showed no leadership. The mistakes he made were unbelievably bad. So again, like like you were saying, Max, that that vetting of of character and and assembling a squad, not just kind of looking at him being okay. He's captain of Gillingham. He must be good. Or looking at the younger players and saying, oh look, they've they come from the academy of, of Chelsea. They they're going to be good in the future. So it's, it's predominantly recruitment for me, really. Um, and yeah, obviously Garner was, was a massive part of that. And, and Widrington was a massive part of that. Garner's gone and, and you're likely to see Widrington go as, as well. Yeah, so Max, with you put in the two transfer windows this season as the two main reasons for our relegation. Um, obviously, you know, we are all using the benefit of hindsight, but what when you look at the squad now um how many players and what type of players do you think we were off having a squad that you know wouldn't have finished bottom of league one what do you think that we just didn't come into the season with and then didn't add in january um a goal scorer for one um i think that's blatantly obvious hanlon iunger and daly as, as a trio have just been uh dreadful um not saying it's through lack of effort probably more likely lack of ability um, and also lack of service. Um, so I think, you know, another winger, I really think a quality winger um, to go alongside on, on the other side of the flank to Nicholson would have really uh, improved things. Nicholson's, I think, been out for pretty much half the season if you look at all the all the games he's played and all the games he hasn't played. Um, so just having someone there who could have stepped in with experience, almost like Rodman, but uh, maybe a bit younger and a, a bit more ability on the ball um, would have really kicked us on. Um, 
So, yeah, those two positions, I'd say a centre-back, but it's a very bloated area of the squad, so I can't see why we would have done that. And we kind of did that with George Williams, who's been playing right centre-back in a back three anyway. So, yeah, I mean, you asked me that question, and the first thing I thought of was, yeah, striker, centre-back, maybe a centre-mid. And then I thought, "Mm, probably a winger as well, actually. And then I was thinking, we probably need a strong right-back as well. And then I'm thinking, hang on, (laughs) that's like everyone bar goalkeeper and, like, Luke McCormick. So, (laughs) I'm... uh, yeah, I don't think we were far off. Um, goals is what sent us down. I think a lot of people talk about how bad the defence is. And yes, it is bad. But a lot of games, we only lost by one goal um, or drew. And really just having that extra goal would have got us a lot more points. Um, and I really think if we had a quality winger and a quality striker, um, we would have scored a hatful more goals than, than we did. Um, so I think those are the two areas that needed to be addressed in January as I said earlier, and neither were. Um, and that's down to Paul Tisdale. So that's why I've got that as the number one reason as to going down. Because although the summer recruitment was bad on hindsight, you can still fix it. It was a very fixable uh, position when when Ben Garner was sacked and when we entered that January window. We were out of the relegation zone. We weren't playing too badly. I think we were just coming off of a couple of wins actually at the time uh, under Tisdale and just didn't add where we needed to. Um and, and you can kind of look back at that now and said, had we done that and carried on and built on that early momentum that Tisdale had, who knows where we'd be. Um, it's just a massive, massive, massively obvious uh, problem area. Everyone was screaming out for us to sign an experience forward. And we didn't. You know, We played hell for leather to get Jaden Stockley didn't and then just sat on our hands for the last 11 days of the window. So that's the number one reason for me because it was a very, very preventable situation. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's the most frustrating thing about this relegation is that compared to the previous ones, I just look at this and think we could just so easily could have avoided this. I genuinely think if we had just bought in someone in January who would have scored between five and 10 goals, say, uh, on top of what we've already got from the others, I genuinely think we would have probably stayed up. But, you know, here we are. Um, So I just want to break all that down a little bit more then and before we go on to talk about the men above the manager let's have a quick chat about the three permanent bosses we've had in the mem dugout this season and how culpable we think each of them are for how this campaign has panned out so once again i gave you each a bit of homework and asked you to give garner tisdale and barton a percentage for how responsible you consider them to be for our relegation with the three percentages having to add up to 100 percent so, Max, come in to you first then for your scores and your reasoning, please. I'm going to go with um, 20% Bengana, uh, 50% Tisdale and 30% Barton. Um, so the majority of the blame for me is with Paul Tisdale. Um, I think he was the worst appointment possible at the time. I was really unenthused by it. Um, when I saw the name mentioned, I went, oh, God, please, not him. Um, he came in and I backed him. Um, I, I backed him strongly um, as I always back a manager coming into Rovers um, I thought well he's here now he can't possibly be that bad he'll probably just steady the ship and, and, and get us okay but the players just lost all confidence under him all confidence at all I mean under Ghana we weren't great but we weren't terrible uh, and we just went from mediocre to downright dreadful under him um, we didn't strengthen in January as I just said and uh, he left the state, the club in a far worse state than, than he picked it up in um, and left a hell of a job for whoever would come in next to try and keep us up. 
Um, so for me, he is the primary blame. I think he was an abysmal appointment and um, had we appointed someone else at the time, I think we would be uh, largely safe by now. Um, I think someone else would have made the appointments needed in January to see us safe. Um, Garner I've only got us 20% because um, I think he at least stuck to his principles and um, assembled a squad that was in the style he wanted. Um it didn't really obviously didn't work and the club decided to go in a different direction. But at the time he was sacked, we were, I think there was so much opportunity to to steer us away from, from this path that we found ourselves on in that trajectory that I can't really blame him for the relegation. Um, he set the ship off on a bad course, but we had plenty of time to correct that course since then. Um, and then Barton have got at 30%. So more than Ghana, because I think he's had, um, the most games this season out of all three of them, I believe, unless someone wants to correct me on that. So um, he'll have managed 40% of our league games by the end of this season, won't he, Joey Barton? Yeah, so he's he's managed the most games. And although um, although he hasn't had a window to bring in the right players, um, he has completely failed to motivate them and completely failed to get us playing uh, the brand of football needed to, to, to win games. Um, it's just not been good at all and as Harley said right at the start of the pod it feels like the last month two months we've just declined and declined and declined and the buck has to stop with the manager on that because he's completely failed um he's not put a rocket up their asses to get them motivated and if he has it's just demotivated them further so um yeah he he does take a portion of the blame for me and it's more than Ghana what about you then Duke yeah I've actually changed mine as as well um so, so I initially had Garner in at fifty percent, and and that was mainly like like you were saying, Max, that he he set the ship on on the on the path that that it was on, and and, and an unsuccessful path it, it was. But we've obviously now found out there was an even more unsuccessful path, which Tisdale ended up steering us in in towards. And 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 the more I hear about how Tisdale was around the club and. Yeah, the, the more I hear you speak about January and, and, and the more I reflect on that, just absolute arrogance for, from the man to, to only go for, for Stockley. Um, you, can, you can just see him now just saying, no, it's, it's Stockley or, or nothing else. And hopefully you had someone around him saying, OK, but um, we can't get Stockley and we, we do need to stay in this division. We do need to score some goals, Paul. And then him just responding, no, I just tell him to be better. Like, Paul, that's that's not really how it works, mate. So yeah, so so he's he's going up percentage wise. Yeah, I'm gonna have Tisdale fifty, um, Ghana thirty, Barton twenty. But do you know what? I didn't realise Barton had had the lion's share of of the games. I mean that that has has really surprised me. I, I think it's just psychologically he's he's the third manager coming in, fourth if you even include. Widrington, so you think, okay, this is real last chance saloon stuff. So he's coming in right at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I think T- Tisdale takes the, the the most blame for me. I mean, obviously they're all massively, massively culpable. Um, but then Barton, I mean, what is he playing at in, in terms of trying to guide us through into safety and and try and motivate the the players to get over the line i mean is anti-motivation is real demotivation from Barton. i know he, he he speaks from the hip and 
speaks no nonsense as his autobiography goes. But it's like again, he he's a he's a contradiction a lot of the time. So, that, so that's the title of his autobiography, and and then he's he's going off on 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 these absurd um, segues, and yeah, it's 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 all about him. It, it it seems, and I think it's it's great when it's all all going well, but obviously it hasn't been going well. Yeah. So Harley, let's finish with you then. I, I, full house i changed mine halfway through this as well um so i've gone 60 percent paul tisdale and 40 percent barton zero percent ben garner i don't blame him at all um if we're talking about who took this team down i don't think that ben garner would have if you look at the teams that were coming up after we sacked him they were easier games 100 percent, and tisdale and barton had much they they had plenty of opportunity to get us out of this. We've all gone over the fact that Tisdale had the January transfer window. Now that is an enormous part of this. And and as we went through on the last points, I think Tisdale's really got the bulk of it because that January transfer window could have sorted us out. Um, but Barton has just steered this ship well off course. I don't even know what course he's put us on, to be honest. It's like he just gave up on taking it home and, and just, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I have no idea what the guy is doing. It's, it is an absolute farce. And Tisdale's similarly odd, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think, think the two of them interviewed together would be, would be an episode of Come Dine With Me I would love to see, to be honest. So, um, but no, I mean, obviously the point is, why have I put Garner a zero? Um, a little known fact I'd like to point out here, or not little known, is that um, Brandon Hanlon, by the 2nd of January, had scored eight goals for us. After the 2nd of January, he scored one. That's you, you were talking about a lack of a goal scorer here, but that is some decline in form. And one of them was with Ben Garner as manager. But I'm more angry with Tisdale because Tisdale was supposed to be the right manager for it. You know, that's the kind of manager he he is. He's the coach of of youth players. And he, you know, God, if he was on here right now, he'd be telling you about Ollie Watkins and how he is the reason that Ollie Watkins is an England player. But where was that? All I saw was the January transfer window closed and he spent the entire interview after saying that Brandon Hanlon wasn't a striker, basically, and saying he was useless. So... So yeah, let's um let's chat about the two men or the two other men receiving the majority of the the flack online from supporters for this disastrous season. Uh, so the owner while and primarily director of football Tommy Widrington. Um, so let's start with the bloke at the top of the tree then, Max. Any blame attached to while for our relegation, and if so, what for for you? It's hard to say because we literally don't know the decision process at the club and we don't know who's appointed who, whether it was Starnes who recommended Tisdale, whether it was Weil who wanted Barton. We just don't know, do we? So you can't really say without the full transparency. I kind of treat the board as a collective, uh, Weil included in that, because no doubt he is a decision maker and he's involved in the interview process, I believe. So um, I would I would pretty much split the blame between the three of them. Uh, maybe a little bit more on Widrington because he has 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 more of a say in recruitment and he has an active role in finding players for the first team um, and also has that relationship with the first team and that footballing experience. So I kind of I put the blame a little bit more on him, but it's really just genuinely hard to say how much of it is Wiles' fault um, because we just don't know how involved he is. Um, 
he, he may well have just surrounded himself with bad advisors, um, or he may well have had a, a stronger say and, and, and put his foot down on some decisions that may have been wrong. Like, we kind of have to treat the board, I think, as a collective entity and say, it's all of your fault, really. Um, get your house in order and, and make some consistent decisions to get this club in a stable position because it feels like the club has no real direction or, um, you know, they say they have this DNA and this plan and this plan for the future and yet they change their minds on what they want to do every three months based on how the team's doing. We're too reactionary and we're trying to be too clever when really it would have just taken some level heads and some calm decisions in that board to fix the mess that we were in. And I think all three of them... Um, fucked it up really duke is there any part of you that feels a bit sorry for for while for the position we find ourselves in yeah I, I do to be perfectly honest because he has put his money where his mouth is and he has seen us through a, a pandemic and and we we always know that rovers aren't well run and, and we struggle financially but for him to to build a training ground and and to to wipe off the debt to make it sustainable for for the long term, you've you've really got to take your your hat off to the bloke. So with that being said, he has been ill advised because he he isn't the the football man. That's that's why he, he is El Presidente and and he's he's the money man and he's he's got his chief exec around him and he's he's got his director of f- football around him. Um, so yeah, so, so I think more culpability has, has got to go there to, to be perfectly honest, obviously what, why always the, the ultimate man, he, he chooses who he, he gets around him, but I think it's quite telling that from what I can gather, it was essentially while who, who wanted Barton. So he must've turned around and said, okay, I actually don't like how this is going. So I think that's when while I was coming and said, no, I'm going to try and get a, a born winner. That's probably how he's seen Barton. And obviously Barton can talk a, a really good game and he talks of really grand plans. Um, so, yeah, so, so maybe he's gone a bit emotional with Barton. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say. Do I have sympathy with him? Massively, but because he's what, what he's given the club off the field. And, and we were chatting about the kind of apathy we were feeling and, and maybe not being so down about the relegation. I think that's a big part of it for me is, is that off the field granted in, in footballing terms, it's not great. It's more than not great, but in terms of getting the infrastructure going, get, getting that training ground built, getting the debt wiped, we're in a g- good position. So I, th- I think that is, is a big part of it. And, and obviously why was the man who's delivered it? So yeah, m- massive, massive props to him in regards to that. Um, yeah, some work needs to be done on, on the footballing matters. Yeah, Harley, I'm sure you probably read Wiles' letter to the fans a couple of days ago. Um, did the stuff that he was saying in that make you feel positive about the, the future for Rovers, even though obviously on the pitch we're, we're about to go down? I think, like I said earlier about my lack of... I'm not too bothered about the relegation emotionally. And we talked about why that might be, but I think one of the reasons is because the long-term future of the club to me feels the strongest it has been in ages. I said this at the start of the season, because we spoke of the strategy and the long-term vision and stuff. And while some of that has frankly collapsed, um, 
the main point is that we have a guy that has the funds to keep us going in a in by the way the toughest economic time that we've ever faced i mean if if higgs and that were still here who knows what situation we would be in right now so we're very lucky to have him in that regard and i think that we will move in the right direction i i do see a future once we sort out the things behind the scenes you know the training grounds looking decent um i've got some faith i have and i've got faith that he cares enough to find the solution um and will fund us until he does find the solution you know i mean that's 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 one of the things i the reason i struggle to be angry at what's happened is because i respected the strategy that they were trying to go for i thought it was sensible and i think if anything it showed an intelligence that we need to be building a stable club that sells on players and stuff we just buggered it up and these things happen right like football's very interesting in that you know you you do get punished in this way and what i lack a bit of respect for is the fact that we've kind of chucked that strategy out the window completely when i think we could have tweaked we could have tweaked the strategy to add some experience and we would have been better off um but we live and learn and hopefully next season is going to be a good one so yeah in answer to your question i'm I'm feeling i'm still feeling positive we got relegated yesterday and i feel just as positive as i did last year before the season started that's i literally have complete faith that we're going in the right direction even though on the pitch we're going in the completely wrong one max screwing his face up yeah um i'm just worried um the club is pulling in so many different directions it feels like you said harley it went when we had ghana um and last summer there was a unified front um everyone was clear in their jobs there was a clear direction and strategy that we just abandoned um, when it all started to go wrong. And don't get me wrong, I think it was the right decision to sack Garner. It clearly wasn't working. Um, but had we just added some experience in January, I think we would have been fine. And with the right man, which wasn't Tisdale, I think we'd still be in League One. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more looking at the state we are in now. We've just been relegated. We've got a manager who's trying to pretty much rewrite everything at the club. He's slagging off the medical team. He's slagging off the players. He's slagging off the director of football. Um, subvertently and he's, he's just pretty much having a go at everything at the club and the way the club had trained the way the club had recruited and he's almost asking for the keys to the city really he's asking for you know give me the keys to the car I'm going to take charge here and I'm going to sort all this out and I don't know if he's the right man to do that uh, and I'm worried that we we were almost you know we're kind of caught in two minds because I think Widrington as director of football is obviously somebody that while has put a lot of faith in and Starnes obviously um, rates very highly and he's very valued in his role otherwise I think he would have been gone by now um, and it's very clear that Barton is going in a different direction to that so I just question whether we're going to have the unified front and the unified strategy next season to bounce back and to and to kind of rebuild I think a lot of people are putting faith in Barton because he's played at a higher level and saying yeah he knows best he's he's played Premier League but no, this is Bristol Rovers. We we have a system in place. We recruited physios. We recruited scouts. We have this structure, and the manager is was only supposed to be the guy coaching the team and and signing the players. So for Barton to to come in and almost want to rewrite the entire DNA of the club is a big big shout. And I just really have serious doubts of the, uh, if he's the right guy to do that, given how catastrophic he's been on the pitch. 
um, putting a lot of blind faith in a man who, who hasn't ever done anything like this before in football. He's never had to deal with a crisis on this scale as a manager. So I, I'm really worried. You look at the likes of South End, who are back-to-back relegations now. Uh, I don't think we'll be that bad, but I certainly think it's going to be a really, really tough tough uh, season or two for us to kind of turn the ship around. I don't think it's going to be this euphoric bounce back that some believe uh, like Plymouth and Swindon and Coventry have had recently. So yeah, I, I'm, I don't really share that optimism if I'm honest. I think that I, I do totally get the whole, the fact that we seem to have just dropped the entire strategy. That is the thing that concerns me the most. I won't deny that. I, I actually looked it up and on the 20th of November, Tommy Widrington was a point was promoted to director of football after Garner went right, and by February twenty second we were appointing Joey Barton and giving him the keys to basically rewrite the entire club and and drop the entire strategy. So we're talking what less than around two months between him being promoted to basically axing him out of the club. That's quite a pivot in thinking and. It's that kind of bizarre thinking that makes you think that it's just a lot of naivety at play here. And it's about who speaks the loudest and who speaks the most passionately. And let's not beat around the bush. Joey is a passionate speaker. There's no doubt about that. And that's why I'm still not completely off him because I think he he might be right about some of the stuff he's saying, you know, like it's all the strategy sounded good, but maybe he's got a point with some of it. Um, let's see how it plays out. <laughs> I think the thing that makes you or makes me think that he might be right about some of it and therefore thinks, yeah, let him do what he wants is that obviously we're now on our third manager and they've all got pretty similar records. I think Garner's is the best, but they're all pretty similar as in they're all shit. Like they're all very, very bad with this squad of players. So there's got to be something at play. Um, But I also agree with Max that, you know, Joe Barton, yeah, had a good career, played for England, you know, played for a free Premier League clubs. Does that mean that I trust him to go into Bristol Rovers, rip out the recruitment department, set up his own, rip out the medical team, set up his own? No, no, not at all. I don't. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted to save the uh, the Joe Barton chat until our end of season one, but I will come to Duke because he's holding his hand up. Yeah, I was, I was going to say it. I mean, I was agreeing with, with what you said to a certain degree, Harley, about tweaking the the vision and and kind of sticking with it and and that's one of the most disappointing things is, is that we've gone away from that and we've ended up with Barton and obviously Barton isn't that that tweaking manager like like you said Max he's the give me the keys to to everything and I'll I'll sort this but is it that bad is it cancerous like he's saying i mean he's he's well known for hyperbole um, but it's it's kind of like you don't know what to believe anymore, do you? Because because you've heard so many different things, you're like, what what is going on? And but yeah, no, it's just a, all all bit of a mess, isn't it? To, to be perfectly honest, I can, I can see him walking. If I'm honest, I can see him the way he spoke in that post match, um, and saying, if I get my way, if I get to do this, this is this is bad, that is bad. I Widrington is director of football and. I think Wilde's got to pick a side here um, and, and the board, you know, Starnes has to pick a side. They have, they have to pick whether they're going to keep Tommy Widgerton and keep with this strategy or go all in on Barton. There can't be a halfway house because I don't think Barton will stand for it. The way he's spoken about needing to rewrite this club, I think he is all in on it. 
and we need to pick a side. We need to pick a direction. As I say, we can't be pulling in two different ways. That's what's got us into this mess. Um, I can see him saying, this isn't for me. Um, I've raised my concerns. The club don't want to act on it, so I'll find another job. And I think that would turn a lot of the fan base because they have a lot of them have have, have, have um, really been enamoured with Joey. I'm I'm not really on that boat at all. Um, I don't buy into a lot of the rhetoric, and and uh, but so many have. So many are on board with what he's saying. I think, well, he sees the club on the inside out. He's played at high level. He knows how to fix it. Um, and the, the, if the if he walks away and the club don't don't listen to him and do what he says, the fans are just going to turn on Widrington. They're going to turn on Wilde. They're going to say, you're letting our club rot. You're not listening to advice. You're turning a blind eye and sticking your head in the sand. And it's just going to be so toxic. And the club needs to sort this out now. They need to sort it out before it becomes a problem. Yeah, Harley. I mean, I think either Barton or Widrington will be at the club next season. It's not going to be both of them. It feels like, you know, this town's only big enough for the... Big enough for the one of us? Not big enough for the both of us. That's what I was going for. Um, yeah, it definitely feels like that with those two, I think. And last night, I mean, my social media was flooded with Gasset's calling for Widrington to go. Um, obviously, I think we've all said that both the, the summer and the January windows this season were a bit of a shit show. And Widrington was the head of recruitment at the time. Do you think that his time is up? I mean, I think it will be up. Yeah, I, I think that they'll go with Barton. Um, and I think they already did go with Barton when they appointed him, to be honest. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. And I think, to be honest, having a complete punt, because who bloody knows anymore, I don't think he is currently director of football. I reckon he's just returned to his previous role until they boot him. Um, then Joey would not have been hiding the control that he requires Talks clearly broke down in the initial stages. He was very much on, then he was very much off, then it came full circle. So clearly someone budged on what the situation was going to be. And I'm not backing Joey to have been the one that did, especially given he brought two members of coaching staff with him, which, I mean, we've got more coaching staff than we have players on the bench. So, you know, it's... um. I, th- I think that Joey is going to win this one and I share the concerns that it, it's not a great way we've behaved there, really. I think I think we should have stuck with the, with the project. Um, but I also don't necessarily think that when he's given the keys and he, and he actually assembles the squad, I don't necessarily think he won't succeed with it. Um, it's not the long term, don't get me wrong, but short term, I, I think it could be pretty exciting to watch. And just to quickly touch upon the fact that, yes, I blame him hugely for the relegation and we got worse and worse and worse. But when he did come in, there was a definite change in style and we were on the front foot and we did fail to put it in the net on several occasions when we genuinely did dominate. And whilst that, you know, I still blame him for the relegation, it certainly gives me reason to believe he can get a team playing if he's chose the bloody players. Um, so like I said at the start, I want to leave chat about the squad who we'd want to see stay who we wouldn't want to see stay um and a bit more stuff on Barton, whether we want him to be the manager next season whether we have any faith in that etc uh we're going to leave that until the pod at the very end so i just want to have a very quick chat about the remaining three games of the season uh rovers down bar and a miracle so duke what's do you want to see from the final three games and what do you think Barton will be hoping to see? Well, we're down. So 
let's get some more of the youngsters in, involved. I would love to see Mayhew, Tomlinson, a bit more of Walker. And obviously we all want to see some fight because we haven't seen it. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've already gone down with a whimper. Um, I mean, it, it probably suggests that we're going to whimper some more. So let, let's, let's prove the fans wrong and hopefully, yeah, we can, we can see that the future is bright with, with some of the youngsters because we saw them in preseason. They were genuinely great. I mean, I, I know it's preseason friendlies. I don't think I've been this excited by youngsters for for many a year, and and that's kind of like for like with with the preseason friendlies I've seen, and like eh, there's not a lot to to this crop of youngsters. But I had I had been really impressed with with the young guns, so give them a go. It, it can't be much worse. Show a bit of fight and passion. Um, yeah, and I don't know, maybe some gaffes. Well, uh, we've seen a lot of gaffes, but something to put a smile on her face. Just just anything. Someone's shorts being pulled down. Anything. Just something <laughs> to put a smile on our bloody faces. Joey's done that before, pull his, pull his shorts down, to be fair. <laughs> he's, he's pulled our pants down, to be fair. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll um, we'll leave it there. Um, obviously not the most upbeat episode ever given the circumstances but hopefully still enjoyable nonetheless Um, it goes without saying that it's been an absolutely terrible season for all of us to endure but the lows are what make the highs feel even more special so let's remember the misery of this season the next time we're experiencing the magic of a Rovers promotion take care everyone and present us down the gas up the gas honestly who the hell is listening to that the whole way through no one